and welcome to Blooming in Motherhood, conversations for growing moms. Becoming a mother is life-changing in nearly every way. Some days are magical and some days are survival. You have new priorities, hopes, worries, perspectives, identities. Your world is all new and it's never been so full. Welcome to the Blooming in Motherhood podcast, where you'll hear from other moms who've been through it, learn from experts, and be supported in embracing change, learning and growing, and blooming in motherhood. I'm your host, Molly Vassa Bertolucci, a licensed perinatal mental health therapist and mother of two on a parenthood learning journey, just like you. We'll touch on topics like postpartum and maternal mental health here, but this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and if you're struggling, you should seek help from a licensed provider in your area. I'm so glad that you're here and joining us for these conversations for growing moms. Let's jump in and learn together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to season two of the Blooming and Motherhood podcast, formerly known as Our First Year. I'm so happy that you're here listening to this. I'm so happy to be here recording this. I have always hated the phrase new and improved. It's always really bothered me because it doesn't make sense. Something can't be both new, never having existed before, and improved, an improved version of something that exists. (laughs) But this podcast truly is both new and improved. It's a new season, a new direction, a new name, and it's improved. It's an improved version of, you know, taking everything I learned from season one, from our first year, from the first iteration of this podcast, and going forward to just make this podcast the best that it can be. So I'm so excited to be going forward with season two, and I am beyond excited to introduce you to our inaugural guest for Blooming in Motherhood, this new season, this new podcast, this new and improved podcast, Jenna Overbaugh. Jenna Overbaugh is a licensed professional counselor based in Wisconsin and has been working with people who have OCD and anxiety since 2008. Previously, she's worked at world-renowned facilities like John Hopkins Hospital and Rogers Memorial Hospital, where she treated some of the most debilitating cases of OCD and anxiety in the world. She's contributed to several peer-reviewed articles, as well as spoken at national conferences on OCD, anxiety, hoarding, and related issues. She's the host of All the Hard Things podcast and the creator of her signature program, the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint. She's also the mom to a five-year-old and has lived experience with OCD and anxiety. When I tell you that she is the go-to girl for OCD and anxiety, I have learned so much from Jenna. She is just a wealth of information, knowledge, and resources, and you're definitely going to hear that today as Jenna talks about her own lived experience and her professional expertise with anxiety and OCD. And I highly, highly encourage you to check out all of the linked resources like her website, her course, her Instagram, where she shares more. I'm so thrilled to welcome Jenna onto the podcast to talk about her own experiences as a new mother, and I'm so thrilled to share this episode with you. Let's do it. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. So I, as of the time of recording this, I have a five and a half year old. So I had my first and my only boy um, back in 2018. I am a licensed professional counselor and I've always specialized in treating and working with people who have OCD and anxiety. And 
that was just always something that was really special and near and dear to my heart. Um, and I, as I started to have conversations with my husband about growing our family, having all this experience professionally about OCD and anxiety, I kind of went into motherhood and pregnancy, like very, not even naive, I would almost say like very ignorant, thinking like, oh, I know everything there is to know about OCD and anxiety. That's never going to be something that I struggle with. Um, and of course, it just completely rocked my world. Motherhood and just parenting in general was so not anything that I was expecting it to be. Um, and I think that's a really relevant experience for a lot of us. I don't think that it's anything what we show it to be um, just in conversation or on the media and anything like that. So uh, ever since 2018, I've just been working on myself a little bit, but then also wanting to really especially work with new parents, especially new moms and help them through these difficult transitions. Because I, looking back, I know how difficult it was for me to go through the struggles that I went through, but I already knew what it was. Like I already knew that I had OCD. I already knew that it was anxiety. I can't even imagine how difficult it would be for somebody to go through what it was that I was going through and not have the context for what it was. I feel like I would have gone insane. Um, so I'm, I really feel for those parents. I really feel for those moms who are out there really, really struggling. They have no idea what it is that's going on with them because that has to just be the most miserable experience. But um, since going through my own treatment and really, you know, working through everything um, with exposure and response prevention and, and just my continued advocacy, I'm in a really good spot, uh, but still feel obviously really called to share my story and to reach other parents who are kind of in the thick of it right now themselves. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to diving more into your experience and for you to share so that moms know if they are needing this kind of support as well. So let's talk about um, the model in your head of motherhood. You said it was nothing like you're expecting it to be. What did you expect mm -hmm. motherhood to look like? How did your reality match up with that expectation? So it's such a good question. And I don't know really what I was thinking. I was never that person growing up who like had baby dolls and wanted, you know, this, I, I never really had that fantasy of having kids. I was always just like very academically driven. I knew what I wanted my career to be. I knew what I wanted my life to look like, but I never, you know, went too far in depth about the family aspect or about the child aspect. Um, so when my husband and I got married, we spent some years together, just the two of us, and it just felt like kind of the next step. Um, it just felt like the next thing that kind of was supposed to happen. Um, and so I guess I kind of expected it to be like this, like we would just be like this one big happy family. And, um, you know, that, you know, everything that other people talk about, right? Like we'd go on vacations together and, you know, smiling, happy babies. And, my mom was totally the opposite. She jokes that she married my dad because she just wanted to have kids, right? Like she just wanted to have kids. That's all she wanted to ever do. And uh, I, I guess like she just always talked about the happy stuff. She just always talked about, don't you just love every single moment? I wanted to spend every single minute with you. Um, and yeah, I just had this idea that it was going to be kind of nothing but goodness and smiles and and happiness and an easy birth and easy delivery like it never occurred to me that that might actually hurt and not go well according to plan um yeah i kind of just had this i i think this idea that it was going to be just 
like I'm all, I don't know, just like really positive and um, nothing could have prepared me um, just like I don't think anything could have really could really prepare any other mom, right? Like it's so much different than what I expected it to be. It's so much harder than I expected it to be. And then once I did start to struggle, it was like, oh yeah, it's really hard. And I'm like, where have you been the past like 18 years? Where have you been the past like nine months when I have this baby in my belly? Like, why were you just telling me that it's this most magical experience? And don't you just love every single moment? But as soon as you see me struggling, it's like, oh, yeah, it really sucks. Like, why didn't you tell me that before? So I experienced a lot of resentment. I experienced a lot of frustration with myself, with the people around me. I felt like everything was my fault. Like I just, I felt like I just wasn't cut out to be a mom. Um, and having been so academically driven and someone who was like very externally validated, right? Like you get validation from 4.0s, you get validation from straight A's, you get validation from your employer at work, right? You get validation from a raise or a bonus. Like you don't get that validation necessarily as a mom, especially as a new mom, right? Like you can try and try and try and you don't know if you're doing anything right. You get no, you get none of that feedback. Um, and so it was just like a huge identity crisis for me. Um, just how, like, how do I feel like I'm, I, I just didn't feel like I was good at it. And I don't think any of us enjoy doing things that we don't feel good at. Right. And so it, it was a huge, huge struggle for, I'd say probably the first two years um, before things started to actually get a little bit better. Yeah. I can relate so much to what you're, you're sharing. And I think so many of us can, because we do see all the like people's highlight reels of parenthood, right? We see all the happy, smiling faces. We see the vacation photos. We see like mom having it all together, doing it all her, herself in the media or from other other people. And we're not really shown the practical challenges or the identity shifts or right. all of those nights where you're just sitting there being like, am I cut out for this? Am I doing this right? Like what's wrong with me? And so we're not really set up to expect some of the challenges that come with the shift to motherhood. And yes, there's no clear cut criteria. Like there's no like benchmarks to meet to show you that you're, there's no gold stars, right? You don't know that you're doing anything right. And there really isn't any right. It's a huge learning curve to kind of find out what feels good in your motherhood. And, and I can relate so much to that kind of feeling lost. What three words would you use to describe the early years of motherhood? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> uh, confusing, dark, and just pulled. Like I felt pulled in so many different directions. Um, I mean, I could think of like millions of words of how to describe it, but oh my gosh. Yeah. It just felt like a constant pulling in a million different directions. Um, even like teeny tiny little decisions, right? Like what pacifier to get my son, right? Like pulled in a million different directions, you know, like, do I make decisions based off of price? Do I make decisions based off of what I want? Do I make decisions based off of what my mom would suggest? Like there's, I, I just felt completely pulled in a million different directions. Um, not to mention even like bigger decisions, right? Like what daycare to send him to. Uh, it just felt like 
there was no way of doing anything right. You know, like, like you had mentioned, there's no way that's right. There's no gold stars. There's no clear cut answers. There's no recipe to follow. It's just, yeah, you, if you are this person who kind of does everything by the book and you are looking for those gold stars versus inwardly for how you're doing, uh, it's, it's a big shift mentally. Um, and as far as just dark, it, I just had so many intrusive thoughts. I had so much anxiety. I felt like my, I felt, I, I remember telling my husband, I felt like there were electric eels in my body, like running through my veins. It felt like there was electricity running through my veins every single moment of every single day. Um, just on alert all the time. I remember my husband coming home. I was like trying to chop up vegetables for dinner and he came around the corner to say hi to me. And I jumped so high. Like I jumped so far out of my skin because I was just always constantly energized in a, in a really dark way. Um, constantly thinking of all the bad things that could happen, constantly thinking of all the mistakes that I had made or the mistakes that I was going to make. It was just such a dark time. Um, and it definitely started out as like anxious and obsessive and compulsive and then essentially led to a lot of depression, right? Because like I mentioned, who wants to keep doing something that they don't feel good at? I remember telling my husband, like, imagine going to a job every single day where like you feel like you just completely suck at it and your boss sucks and like all your coworkers suck. Like you can't, and, but you, you can't get out, right? Like you can't get out. There's no way of getting out. You just have to deal with it. Um, that's how I felt every single day. Like just continually going and doing this job that I feel like I completely suck at. Um, yet I still have to continue to give 150%. Um, and it has the perfect like mixture of, potentially making someone, it, it can make you go crazy. It can make you literally feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah. I remember feeling like spinning my wheels. And as you're describing that, I just feel that so much of just like you do, you feel really lonely and you can feel really unsure and yeah, so much noise, so many decisions. And you can spend, I could, at least in my experience, I could spend hours and hours researching the pacifiers and then it was like, mm -hmm. you just are looking for the right thing. And so Jenna, as an OCD and anxiety specialist and expert, when moms hear this and they're thinking, well, I'm having that experience, I'm having intrusive thoughts, or I'm feeling on alert all the time, what would you tell a mom? Is it like, when would be a good time for a mom to seek help? Like what symptoms should be, she be looking out for? So I, I mean, I, I tell all my friends now, like make the appointment in advance before they even have kids, right? Like just make the appointment in advance and then have it. If you don't need it, then that's great. Right. Um, but I can just say from my own experience, I'm a therapist and I'm the first person to encourage somebody to go and get help, but it took me a year and a half. Um, I remember very vividly telling my husband, like, if I had time for a therapy session, I would take a shower or like I would eat lunch, right? Like I felt so strongly like my 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 problem wasn't my mind. It was like lack of time. It was like not ever having any time to myself, which is just in hindsight so silly, right? Because it's like that a shower wouldn't have helped the problem, right? Like it might have put a Band-Aid on it, right? And like, of course, we need time to shower and like do our basic you know, taking care of ourselves things. But like I was really, really in a bad place mentally and a shower or eating lunch wasn't going to fix that. Um, 
And so I always encourage people like make the appointment. If you don't need it, then cancel it. But at least then you have it because as soon as you are um, a parent, like you're going to have a million and one excuses as to not make that appointment. Um, and at least if you have it, then it's there. And that's one less hoop that you have to go through. Now, as far as parents who are already, they're already parents, right? Like they're not just waiting and, and they're pregnant and kind of like how to help themselves when they actually do have the baby. I say whenever you are experiencing distress and impairment, right? So um, it's all so subjective. It's it's all about, you know, when, when do you feel like this is causing you distress? When do you feel like this is really impacting your ability to do what it is that you need to do on a day-to-day basis? Um, and that can be as early as day one or day two or day three, right? So as soon as you feel like this isn't comfortable, right? Like this isn't how I want to live my life. I need some help. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I would say that these experiences, these thoughts, especially the intrusive thoughts, the scary images, all of those things, that they are much more common um, and normal than we tend to believe or say. Um, They've done research to show that when you ask parents anonymously and when you actually are asking them the right questions, up to 100% of moms and new parents are saying that they endorse these scary thoughts, that they've had these scary thoughts, that they've had these scary images pop into their mind. But it's not something that we talk about, right? Because it's taboo. We don't want to be that person who's talking about, oh my gosh, I had that scary thought that I threw my baby off the, you know, that I, I might want to throw my baby off of the balcony because we're afraid that we're going to get CPS called on us or our mom friends are going to judge us. We just don't talk about it. Um, so unfortunately, just because it's not being talked about doesn't mean that it's not happening. It's just not being talked about. Um, so just know that it's it's common and it's normal, but it's not something that you have to continue to live with. And as soon as it's to the point where it's causing distress and impairment, you can absolutely go and seek that help. Just make sure that it's with somebody who actually understands um, OCD and anxiety, actually, you know, finding somebody who's going to do and implement evidence-based treatment. Um, I know so many moms out there, like they've gone to try to start therapy and they were with a talk therapist for the longest time. And a talk therapist is going to be great in a lot of situations. And if it's helpful for some people, then that's amazing. But when it comes to OCD and anxiety in particular, talk therapy can actually have the um, opposite effect. It can actually just prolong symptoms and exacerbate symptoms. So just being really careful if you do really struggle with anxiety or these scary thoughts that are coming in, make sure that you're actually seeking somebody who does evidence-based treatment for those conditions. If you could go back to Jenna, the new mom, in the thick of it, what advice would you give her? What would you want to tell her? I would tell her that, and I've heard this from other friends so many times, like that it doesn't get easier, it, you just get stronger. Um, that I don't know. I always felt like, okay, like as soon as Eli can walk, then I'm going to be fine. Or as soon as, um, he's in school, then it's going to be fine. And it's never fine. I mean, I feel like I've just gotten so much stronger. Like I am so much stronger. I, as like a woman, as a wife, as a person, as a professional, as a mom, as everything, I am so much stronger and such a better version of myself having gone through everything that I've gone through. And honestly, in hindsight, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Um, but I, I think I would tell her like, 
stop holding your breath, right? Like stop holding your breath. It's it, it, it's going to be different whenever he starts to walk, but then you're going to have potential fears too about him, you know, tripping and falling down the stairs. You're going to have fears of him doing this or doing that. He's going to be walking all over the place, right? Like, so instead of being so hyper-focused on like, I just got to get through this phase, I just got to get through this phase, I feel like that helps me just come to more of an acceptance, uh, like a place of acceptance, right? Like this is difficult. It is really difficult. And practicing more self-compassion too of like, this is, this is, this is really hard. And there is no 100% right way to do this. Like I remember thinking to myself, I just want Eli to have Instead of having Eli have a 100% 100 perfect version of me that would not be authentic, right, and it wouldn't be achievable anyway, I am okay with Eli having like an 80% perfect mom, but at least it's authentic and at least it's genuinely me. Like I would rather him have me in my imperfections, in my imperfectness um, versus trying to be this perfect thing and do all the perfect things. and then like run myself dry because I can't ever reach that bar. So I think I would tell her it's just going to ch- – like you're just going to get stronger. There's always going to be challenges, but you can rise to meet those challenges as long as you are meeting yourself with acceptance and self-compassion. Um, you're going to get a whole heck of a lot stronger. And I would tell her, um, yeah, just just to hang in there. And there will come a time – I remember when I was really early on in my journey, I remember – the only thing that got me through some days was like, I have no idea where that light at the end of the tunnel is. Like, I have no idea how big it is, how close it is. I have no freaking clue how to get there, but I was like, it has to be there. I know that there has to be light at the end of this tunnel and it is, it is there. Like I would just tell her and remind her that it's there. It's it's there and it's, it's so good and everything will make sense at some point. I love what you said about you're a better version of yourself in all these ways. Like you're stronger, you're more authentic. We can't even guess all the things that we're capable of as mothers, all the things that we'll learn about ourselves. What stands out to you as an area you've really grown into? It was always really hard for me to be alone with Eli because of all my anxiety and because I just felt like all the responsibility was on me, right? Like all the responsibility is on me to make all the right decisions and I don't have my husband around to like bounce decisions off of, Um, like all the onus and all the responsibility was on me. So even being alone with my son, like when my husband would go to shower, like that was always really difficult for me um, because it was like, oh my gosh, what could happen? Like, what do I do with him while my husband is showering? Like, I just felt so clumsy and like I couldn't do anything right. Um, and so throughout my treatment and throughout my recovery experience, I've had to, you know, do challenging things. I've had to be alone and in increasing increments with Eli. And since then we've traveled together. Like I've been on planes with him. I've been with him for multiple days alone by myself at a time. Um, I'm doing things now that I never, ever thought that I would. Like I take him to the gym with me on the weekends. They have free childcare. And that was a 10 out of 10 for me on my exposure hierarchy at one point. Now it's like, I would never even think twice about that. Like, that seems so silly. Um, Yeah, I travel with him. I'm alone with him. I love our time together. Uh, I usually take him out of school like once every six weeks and we just have a mom and an Eli day together. Uh, And I feel like I can appreciate that so much more than I would have been able to appreciate it had I not gone through the challenges that I went through. Like, I know how debilitating these fears can be to where I feel like I'm incapable of even being around my son for five minutes 
so like I, I feel like now that I can actually handle and and love being with him on my own, you know, it's probably nothing to a lot of other parents out there, but it's so meaningful to me because I know what it's like on the other side. So I feel like just like my gratitude for the simple things really shines through. I know that being alone with your child and taking them places is nothing to another parent, but it means so much to me because I know what it's it's like on the other side. And um, I feel like Eli and I are just both very creative. Like you can tell his brain, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one day he does end up having anxiety or even OCD himself, just because you can see how our brains work together. And I can see him sometimes in a way that my husband can't, um, because my husband is super chill. He's like, no, you can't fluff his feathers, right? Like he's just super chill and he doesn't think about things that way. But I, I can see Eli's brain and I can see how he thinks of things sometimes and I can see his creativity of thought. And in some ways, that's great. He's very artistic. He is super smart. And in other times, right, like that, he's really afraid. Like he's really afraid of, um, he used to be really afraid of going on highways. Um, and whereas my husband might not be able to like get into his mindset and understand where he's coming from, I feel like because I have that brain, I can get into his brain and kind of know where he's coming from and be able to relate to him and help him out a little bit more. So um, yeah, definitely just being able to relate to Eli and be able to see things through his lens because that's where I live too. Um, and then also definitely the gratitude piece, like just being so appreciative for little moments because they're big to me. Yeah. And there are so many little moments in parenthood that are so meaningful. And so it's having that appreciation, that gratitude, like that just that can really carry you through some some hard times too. So you talked a little bit about, you mentioned ERP and you talked about your exposures and exposure hierarchy. So if listeners are listening to this and they're like, what the heck is that? Where can they go to learn more about OCD, anxiety, ERP, and you? So I always encourage people, if anything that I've said resonates, like, oh my gosh, I feel like there are electric eels in my body. I feel super urgent all the time. I feel like anxious all the time, scary thoughts, jumping at the at the sound of whatever, then it's likely that you could resonate with some additional information that has to do with OCD or anxiety. So um, OCD is not just about fear of germs or cleanliness or wanting to have things be perfect. It can also come out in the form of these really scary images or these scary thoughts that you feel like you just can't stop. And so would definitely encourage for people to equip themselves with the basic just psychoeducation and learning. Um, and there are really good places online where you could learn. So the IOCDF.org um, is really great. So that's the International OCD Foundation, IOCDF.org. Um, you just want to be mindful that the information that you're consuming is actually legitimate. Um, the problem with the internet and with social media is that anybody can put out anything and it doesn't necessarily have to be legit. So um, just really make sure that you're uh, kind of vetting through the sources through which you're actually getting that content. So the IOCDF is great. Um, you can learn more about resources. You can learn more about what OCD is. You can learn more about exposure and response prevention, which is an evidence-based treatment for OCD and anxiety. Um, so exposure and response prevention or ERP, it's essentially about pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and learning that you don't need to do these rituals or these safety behaviors to feel better. Um, and that's what I do with my clients. That's what I would want any person with OCD or anxiety to do. Um, 
And so, yep, you can learn more about that at iocdf.org as well. Um, I have a lot of resources on my website. I'm at jennaoverbaughlpc.com. Um, lots of stuff on my Instagram too, just on at jenna.overbaugh. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, so much relief can come from just simply understanding it more and feeling like you're not all alone. Um, I feel like so many people and myself too, like when you actually have a name for it and you actually have this understanding that it's not just you and you're not alone, it sounds so cliche, but it lifts so much of that shame and it lifts so so much of that guilt and just feeling like you're crazy. It, it lifts the confusion of, you know, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And then if that's enough, then that's amazing. And, and if you need a little bit more than that too, then there are lots of excellent resources out there. This part of my experience postpartum was that I found Jenna on, I think it was on Instagram. And this was the light bulb moment for me where I realized I was struggling with OCD. And so this is a really cool, like full circle moment to get to have her on the podcast. And she's welcomed me on her podcast too. And it was like this just relief that I felt in being seen like, oh my gosh, this now makes sense. What I'm going through is not like there's other people are feeling, there's a name for this. This is not just my brain going totally haywire. And so that was just such a relief and it helped me so much in my recovery. And and so this is really special. I'm a Jenna Overbaugh fangirl because of this. So cool. (laughs) So she has so much amazing resources. So I will definitely link all of that in the show notes. All right, Jenna, to wrap up, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Awesome. I love her. What's something you said you'd never do as a parent that you do now? Um, cook separate meals, um, for everything. They always say like, eat, let your kid eat what you eat, right? Like dinner is dinner. Like, no, we all have separate dinners and we all have the, we have the TV on as well. So (laughs) you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Just trying to survive. Yeah. Just trying to survive. It said like no chicken nuggets. No, I was like, I'm going to cook all the, yeah, no, she loves chicken nuggets. What can you do? (laughs) For sure. What's your favorite thing about being a mom right now? Um, I really love just like having conversations with Eli. I felt like for the longest time, he was kind of like this alien living in my house. Like, I don't know. And I didn't really feel like he was part of our family. And now that he talks and he goes to school and he has friends, like I just love getting to know him as a person. And I never really felt that way for the first couple of years. So just like talking to him and having conversations with him. What have you learned way too much about against your will from your child? Like for me, for a while, this was lizards. My daughter was very into lizards. Luckily, we've moved on from that. What has it been for you? Um, probably Pokemon. (laughs) He's in like his Pokemon phase right now. Um, and I like, when I was a kid, I like never got into Pokemon. I lost so many friends over Pokemon because I was just anti-Pokemon. But now I know about all the things. I know about Pikachu and Charizard and Bulbasaur and it's just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) It's come back around for you. (laughs) You can't escape Pokemon. I I can't. Uh, yeah, you can never guess the the things that will, the areas you'll grow in as a mother, including Pokemon. Oh well, thank you so much for joining us, Jenna. Um, again, you can find Jenna at jenna.overbaugh on Instagram, and we'll link her and her website and all of her information in the show notes. 
Thank you so much. And thank you, dear, dear listener, for joining us for these conversations for growing moms. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. And if you did, you might want to subscribe to the podcast so you could be the first to know when new episodes come out. Be sure to check out the show notes where I'll link any resources that we talked about in this episode. You can find out more about me and my California-based private practice, Poppy Therapy, at poppy-therapy.com. Thank you for listening.